From the Cairo Radio Newsroom in Seattle, I'm Dave Ross, and these are the Ross Files. All of us have been mystified at one time or another by a bill we got from a doctor or a hospital. And that's why Dr. Marty McCary wrote a book called The Price We Pay, What Broke American Healthcare and How to Fix It. And uh, first of all, you are a doctor. You're a medical doctor, right? Yeah. Oncologist? Uh, cancer surgeon. Yeah, surgical oncologist. But what, you, what got you interested in, in wanting to expose the reasons behind medical costs? Well, people are getting crushed out there right now, Dave, and it's obvious to a lot of us that are taking care of patients. I mean, people are getting crushed with overpriced bills, surprise bills, bills they shouldn't be getting, bills that are marked up way beyond what an insurance company or or Medicare would pay. And, you know, most of America does not live like you and me. Most of America has less than $400 of cash on hand, and they are getting hammered right now. And somebody has got to stand up. I mean, the role of a physician historically has been to advocate for those who are vulnerable. So, I, I you know, I'm not alone. There's a lot of us who are oh, yeah. saying enough is enough. No, we've all been through that sticker shock. And, and a, a number of uh, media outlets are now just profiling people's medical bills to, to uh, make it clear that real people are sometimes facing bankruptcy just because they had the misfortune to get sick. And you, you write at one point, I don't want to be too hard on people in the medical field. When it comes to pricing, I don't believe they're intentionally hiding what's available to them. So, so what do you mean? How, how can it be that, because I, I had this experience myself. When I had an operation, I said, asked the surgeon, how much is it going to cost? He said, I really don't know. <laughs> well, we physicians have been taught medical literacy, but not healthcare literacy. And it turns out that our services are getting bought and sold on a grid just like power is. And we've not been talking about pricing because, by and large, we've been focused on taking care of patients. Look, healthcare attracts really good people at every level, hospital administration, the kid that wants to be a nurse when they fin- finish school, uh, the kid in medical school, the kid in our residency program that wants to go into uh, missions work after residency. Healthcare attracts amazing people. But what happens is burnout rates have hit high levels, and by and large, Washington, D.C. is talking about how to fund the broken health care system. They're not talking about how to fix it. In order to, f- to fix it, just talk to a nurse, talk to a doctor. They will tell you. Listen to patients. They're telling us right now they just want honesty. They want to be able to go to a place and ask a price, like how much is this delivery going to cost? And they, yeah. and they want an honest answer. You wouldn't go to a restaurant and say how much is the food, and they say, well, um, your, re- your menu depends on who your employer is. <laughs> And by the way, there's very few prices, but you'll know the price once you get your check at the end of the meal. Yeah, and but the restaurant can't do that because you can just switch restaurants. <laughs> if you're sick and you have one doctor you trust, you're not going to shop around that much. Well, that's the thing, Dave, right? Hospitals have historically been a refuge for the sick and injured of our community with charters to care for anybody, regardless of their race, ethnicity, or creed. That's an incredible heritage in medicine. And now that, that public trust is being eroded by price gouging. If there's one story of the modern game of medicine, and this has all surged in the last five and ten years, it's take something out of the master bill and bill separately. Yeah. If you can take the lab or the x-ray or the helicopter trip out of the master bill, you can go after patients and shake them down directly and charge an egregious price, and somebody or some payer is just going to pay it. And healthcare has become a game of price gouging. 
Well, this is why people are calling for some sort of uh, Medicare for all. But we were told that the uh, the answer would be more competition, that um, either competition between insurance plans or between uh, service providers. Why doesn't it work? Well, I, you know, let me give some credit to, to U.S. hospitals and the people leading them. They've been so busy doing other stuff, managing the regulatory burdens. No one has really drilled down to ask, how much does this procedure cost? They just haven't done the work. I mean, it's work to figure out how much is a C-section. So without that transparency, what you have are hospitals that just look at total revenue and total expenditures and say, we just got to stay on top. We're not going to break it down by service. But we need that. There was a cardiac surgeon who called 100 hospitals that do heart surgery, a standard cabbage procedure, and said, how much does it cost? 50 hospitals gave him an answer. The other 50 couldn't. Now, he had to fight to get the answer. But of the 50 that gave him the answer, they said it cost between 40000 and 500000 with almost a random distribution. Are they making these prices up? Well, he compared it to the, to the quality outcomes in the National STS Registry. No association. Right. We've compared it to charity care. Talk to a doctor, say, why is this bill so high? First reaction, without knowing any data, they'll say, well, it's because of charity care. It's not because of charity care. The association is not there. So as they're saying, we have to overcharge the people with insurance so we can pay for the cases of people who don't have insurance. Right now. Many medical centers are charging as much as the market will allow. They're using their monopoly power with mass consolidation. They're taking advantage of people with surprise bills. They're having them sign their life away when they walk into the emergency room. You're financially signing your life away just to be treated. Um, I mean, this is not who we are. And so we're trying to rally people. We're, We're not just talking about a problem that's broken. We're trying to fix it. And you're seeing tremendous movement right now. What's happening? Centers like Surgery Center of Oklahoma are saying, we're going to just post our prices. We don't care who you are. Well, then competition does have a chance. Then There are are companies that are willing to actually give you a price list now? Absolutely. There are medical centers that are saying, enough is enough. We're going to give you prices. Uh The insurance companies are giving them hell. Hospitals are giving them hell. They don't like it. They know what it means. They see the writing on the wall. Now, you, it sounds like you're saying that these these disruptors, these these new surgery centers, for example, are getting pushback from uh, insurance companies and existing hospitals. What? Why is it even possible? <laughs> they they don't they don't have the right to say you can't get in into the game, do well, they? I can tell you the story of the surgery center of Oklahoma. Here's a surgery center that does a whole host of operations. You can go on their website and they'll show you the price of each each and every one of them. It's a complete price. It's a comprehensive price. It includes everything. There's a complication. They eat it. People who are paying out of pocket, which is a fast-growing group of Americans because the deductibles now, they're so ridiculously high. People are paying out of pocket. Where are they going to go? Are they going to go to a place that offers an honest, fair, and transparent price regardless of who you are or who your insurance is? Or are you going to go to a place that won't give you a price and you could get gouged? Yeah. Well, then this, this, uh, this innovation should be spreading like wildfire. Well, it's hard to take this step because the market gives tremendous pressure uh, to these innovators to say, don't be different. You fill out our claims forms like everybody else. Don't just send us an, an invoice. You have to be in a network or out of a network. And to be honest, many of these networks are sold to employers on a market that is um, managed by brokers 
that industry of brokers, the industry of health insurance brokers and pharmacy benefit managers or PBM brokers, that's the hottest thing in healthcare right now. They just had a hearing. Pharmacy benefit managers? PBMs, middlemen. Yeah. Those services, health insurance and PBM services, are sold to businesses in the United States through brokers. That industry is as corrupted as the subprime mortgage broker industry was. They're not giving you the best deal a lot of times. There's a small group of honest brokers with a brand now called the Health Rosetta Brokers. It's actually a a movement that started here in Washington State in the Seattle area by a a guy named Dave Chase. There are businesses that are saying, we're going to put out our health insurance out for bid every year. We want to talk to as many of these brokers as possible. We're only going to work with brokers that don't take kickbacks. The vast majority of them are taking kickbacks from the insurance companies. So do you think they're giving you the, the most honest, best value? I don't think so. I mean, the incentives are not aligned. There are good brokers out there, but by and large, they are incentivized to sell higher price services. In some states, that commission that they take is regulated at 4% per year. You imagine if, you're a bill, if you have a, a million dollars in healthcare spend as a business, you're a CEO of a mid-sized company, and you spend a million dollars a year on healthcare. That broker is getting 4% of that million every year. And on top of that, they're getting kickbacks from the health insurance company that gave them a threatening call that said, hey, you better keep this group with us. And if you do, we're going to give you a nice $150,000 bonus or $100,000 bonus. Healthcare is bought and sold on the grid. It makes no sense. And it's loaded with these kickbacks. How do you ex- explain a 20% increase in premiums in one year? And then the CEO gets angry and tells the broker, that's too much. And the broker says, okay, I got it down to 10% for you. It's a game. Healthcare's turned into a game. Who's getting all the money? The health insurance companies are doing extremely well. I don't know if you just saw this week the earnings of United Healthcare once again through the roof. The health insurance companies now own most of the large PBMs or pharmacy benefit managers. If you want to be in the PBM catalog or what we call formulary in the pharmacy world, the PBM will say to the pharma company, just pay us a million dollars and you'll be in there. If That's you, how they decide which drugs to pay for? That, and yes, and if you're the pharma company, what do you do? You say, yes, I'll just build that into the price of the med. I thought the determination was made by which, which is the safest and effective drug. Well, the PBMs simply list the medications available in the benefit plan, and the doctor writes for that. Uh, but the medications in there, how do you have insulin you know, costing 20 bucks a vial and people dying because they can't afford their dose? How do you have you know, the EpiPen? that talks, you know, the talking mm-hmm. EpiPen uh, costs $12,000 when a Hallmark card will cost $10. It'll talk just the same. Yeah. And so you have this growth. Well, because nobody's really paying, right? Everything is, is third hand. It's not coming out directly out of your pocket. And all you care is what the final bill is that, to you, regardless of what money has changed hands in between. Well, that's exactly right, Dave. And I can tell you, you know, as a professor of health policy and a surgeon at Johns Hopkins, we're doing everything possible to try to change the language. When people say, oh, I only had to pay $500, thankfully my insurance company paid the rest or my employer paid the rest. No, no, you paid all of that. That's your premiums. And all the talk about premium relief that's not real relief when you just jack, jack up the deductibles to 5000 and 10000 <laughs> right. and 20% copay. People are getting hammered out there right now in America. It's a disgrace to our profession. I mean, 
Benjamin Rush, who signed the Declaration of Independence as a physician, committed his life to destigmatizing mental illness. His patients couldn't pay for, for his services. He took care of them anyway. Uh, doctors at my hospital used to just cover, they, they would offer free services to any clergy or teachers or police officers. I mean, where's that charity today? Look at the mission statements of our hospitals. They started with incredible um, uh, charters. And now it's turned into a business of price gouging. Doctors need to stand up because I'll tell you, every time I talk to a doctor about it, they think it's a disgrace what's happened. Our services, our services as physicians are getting bought and sold on a, on a grid with massive markups, middlemen, and insider gains. And the poor person paying the price is that everyday person who walks in for care thinking that a hospital or a doctor's office is a safe place, a refuge for the sick and, and vulnerable, and instead gets hit with some massive bill. I don't, I don't understand how a doctor can take an oath, treat a patient, and then ruin their life financially. And I, I think most doctors would agree that's not right. So is Medicare for all the answer? Medicare for all is attractive in the short term because it cuts out a lot of the middlemen. But I'll tell you, it's an oversimplified view of, of the solution because over time, if you look invariably at any system in the world that's adopted a government-run healthcare system with, um, with uh, coverage for all, over time, invariably, those governments cut the, the, spend, the expenditure on healthcare. Mm-hmm. And after five and 20 years, it's 100% of the time in every country that's done this, they dial down the healthcare expenditure with shaving it by 2%, 1%, 3%, 5% every year. And not only is it not keep, keep up with inflation, but they shave it down, shave it down. You go to 10 or 20 years down the road, they're all massively underfunded and sometimes dilapidated healthcare system. Mm-hmm. I mean, in England, the, um, there's a lot of pluses to the British healthcare system, but look what happened when the doctors went on strike and said this is unsafe and we're not being treated. I've seen some of those hospitals. I have no doubt that they have a fine staff, but they don't look like they're too much changed from World War II. (laughs) I mean, if we can fix this problem by cutting the waste with honest, fair, and transparent pricing, let's just point out, if you get shot in the heart, there's no price list, right? If you go to the emergency room and you're in an ICU, we're not talking about that. We're talking about shoppable services, Mm -hmm. okay? But you know what? When some people shop, when some, it doesn't have to be everybody. You know, the the argument that patients won't use prices is a distraction. That's not the real right question. When some, 10 or 20% of people go to the grocery store and shop, compare lemon to lemon and orange to orange and box of Cocoa Puffs to box of Cocoa Puffs. And with healthcare, our proxy shoppers are the employers, are the health plans that provide our health insurance. And they will choose better value care. For example, in Boston, how much does it cost to deliver a baby, uncomplicated vaginal delivery? It costs between $8,000 at some hospitals and $40,000. One of the Harvard hospitals, Brigham and Women's Hospital, is $40,000. Because it says Harvard on it. And, and I think because it says women, and it's, some people assume, oh, it's a women's center. I can tell you, there's, I've talked to OB doctors there. There's no giant difference in quality for an uncomplicated vaginal delivery. Matter of fact, Southside Hospital in Boston is an outstanding hospital that does it for 8000 One employer, this guy Adam Rousseau, said, 
how do I get my employees to go to the $8,000 hospital? Because I don't want to micromanage their care. I want to give them choices. But this is the great value. And because I'm paying for their health care and not them, they don't have any incentive to go to the high-value center. So I'm going to give any employee that delivers at the $8,000 hospitals like Southside free diapers and wipes for a year. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a good deal to me. Well, you can imagine where all the pregnant women at this company went and how much he saved. So now, did Harvard respond by cutting its prices? Well, no, because he's only one employer yeah. of a small company. Imagine if more people did that. Well, that sounds like the key. So you've, you've, you've turned me around. I now feel more optimistic the competition could work. But it I, sounds like you have to have more of these centers opening up around the country. I'm extremely optimistic. Look, in, to write this book, The Price We Pay, I traveled to 22 cities around the United States over two years and talked to everybody, hospital CEOs, insurance company executives, patients, nurses, you name it, everybody. So we can get away from the shiny objects and the soundbite grenades and talk about the real problem. And I'm convinced it's three things. Fixing care coordination, fixing the appropriateness crisis. We have a crisis of appropriateness of too much care. Oh, and unnecessary tests and unnecessary oh, operations. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the opioid crisis is just one manifestation of the crisis of appropriateness yeah. in the United States. And then... Uh, The third issue is pricing failures. Price failures, care coordination, and the crisis of appropriateness. That's what we need to address. That's what a lot of smart people are tackling. I I know um, Atul Gawande very well with the Amazon J.P. Morgan um, Berkshire Venture, and that's what they're going to – that's what they're looking at. I talked to people on on Capitol Hill. Oh, this is uh, Amazon's attempt to reform healthcare. Is this the kind of thing they're – this is the approach they're going to take? They're going to open up these smaller centers where – where they have price menus? They haven't announced it. They haven't announced what they're going to do. But I know that this is on their map. They've identified price failures, care coordination, and um, to a smaller extent, the crisis of appropriateness. So is anybody in the current system actively trying to block them from doing this? Well, I can tell you, if, if you go down to Oklahoma City and talk to Keith Smith or any one of the 60 um, I hate to use the word providers, but clinicians and medical centers that showed up at his free market medical association mm-hmm. conference where people that believe in pr- price transparency just met in Dallas. They get harassed. I mean, the insurance harassed. companies, oh, um, they are told, you know, we're going to cut you out. We cut all of our patients out, of, uh, cut you out of our network, and none of our patients with the traditional insurance company are going to be told to go to your center. The traditional hospital is saying you can't do this. Look, when I go in the policy world to these big conferences, okay, with all the healthcare experts, mm-hmm. people are all beholden to some stakeholder. Isn't that what do they call it? Conspiracy and restraint of trade? Isn't that illegal? <laughs> you know, um, the Federal Trade Commission has been asleep at the wheel. Uh-huh. I mean, how do you have all this mass consolidation to the point where patients? you know, or have only one option in an entire region of a state for their health care, and they have to pay the bill, whatever it is. You know, hospitals will sometimes go after patients and sue them for unpaid medical bills. Yeah. It's one of the disturbing trends that my research team at Hopkins has been uncovering. I've been voluntarily offering to be a pro bono expert in their cases, and I tell the judges, look, they have, there's no contract they don't have to pay the bill. There's no contract. There was no prices disclosed to the patient. They even asked, how much is this going to cost? 
And so, you know, we don't live in North Korea. You know, this is not the sort of the authoritarian, you know, you receive this care because you broke your arm and now you have to go to the, you know, have to pay this bill or we're going to put a lien on your home, as we've seen, or garnish your wages, as we've seen. Medical care was never intended to be like this. You look at the way my father practiced hematology his whole career. He could never fathom one of his patients having their lives destroyed over this kind of money, over these money games. It used to be that the uninsured were the ones who went bankrupt from their bills. Mm -hmm. And we blamed it on the fact, we collectively as society, blamed it on the fact they didn't have health insurance. Shame on you. You didn't have health insurance. But you know what? It's now every American with the $5,000, $10,000 deductibles. It's every American that sees an out-of-network doc at an in-network facility or breaks their arm when they're skiing and they go to the local facility and the specialty is price gouging because out-of-network bills can sometimes get paid in full. It's the helicopter bill. It's the lab. It's the healthcare was never designed to be. No one, you don't buy a car paying for the steering wheel and the wheels and the spark plug all separately over the course of a year with different bills when the price was never disclosed right. to you of the car. How is it even legal? How is it even legal? I, I mean, I've talked to lawyers. We have a legal theory that hospitals do not have a right to ruin your credit history or to garnish your wages or put a lien on your home over a contract that's invalid. Yeah. First of all, you're vulnerable when you came in there. No prices were disclosed. And you can't ask somebody when they come in clutched over with appendicitis to sign their financial right. life You get away. a court ruling on that. That would upset the whole system. A lot of hospitals are filled with good people. You know who the board members are of the vast majority of U.S. hospitals? They're, they're everyday people like me and you. They're everyday folks in the community. They're business leaders. They're not healthcare people. I'm on the board of a large medical center myself. It's a great medical center. They don't do the silly money games. They're, by and large, you know, pretty good, and they're trying to do better. And I think if people can talk to the board members of their local hospital and tell them to take the pledge of the hospital code of ethics that we've put up at restoringmedicine.org, to vow to never shake somebody down because they can't pay for a medical bill when the bill is above the standard Medicare allowable amount, to never sue a patient to garnish their wages. Um, it used to be that hospitals argued, we do all this charity care, and that's why we have to mm -hmm. mark up and gouge. But what, what we found was the opposite. The hospitals that are doing more charity care were the ones that had more honest pricing. And so I think, look, there's people want to do what's morally right. The individuals at the insurance companies, the individuals running the hospitals, they agree with all this mess. They agree with price transparency. They've had one of their kids in college gouged at a local hospital at their college. They understand it, but it's almost as if they're afraid to speak up about the system. And my biggest frustration is that we're not having an honest conversation in medicine, in healthcare, and on a policy level. We're getting too you know, hung up on the back and forth of Obamacare or repeal Obamacare. Look, Obamacare is the new healthcare infrastructure. We need to talk about the reason why healthcare was the number one issue in the last midterm election and will be the, the number one issue in the next presidential election. And I've told this to President Trump. And by the way, his Secretary of Health and Human Services, Alex Azar and Seema Verma at CMS, they're incredible people. They get it, and they're trying to do something. Good. And I'm not a partisan, and I'm telling you, like, I've taken patients directly to the White House to tell their story. 
and they get it. Healthcare, medical bills, not the Obamacare debate, medical bills, the price of insurance will be the number one issue in the next presidential election. It was already number one in the midterms. You're going to see it number one because people are getting crushed and they're angry and it's not right and it's not who we are as a medical profession. What did Trump tell you? He listened. I tell you, he was moved. He was Mm -hmm. moved by the stories. And, you know, say what you want about him. He's not a perfect person. But I could not have been more impressed at how he responded to those patients and vowed to do something. And, you know, if you know how he works and his White House works, uh, it was no surprise that they announced days later a massive initiative towards price transparency. Uh, The Secretary of Health and Human Services and the head of CMS or Medicare Medicaid Services uh, Agency announced a mandatory public reporting of what we call charge master pricing or the sticker prices for all U.S. hospitals as of January 1st. They asked for it. They got it. That happened. Uh, Now they want to move uh, to the next step and look at disclosure of real prices. And uh, we have several articles on this from the academic space from my Hopkins team. Um, We need real prices. We need real prices in healthcare. What's your website uh, address again for people who want to look it up? It's restoringmedicine.org. We have mm-hmm. a Facebook page, Restoring Medicine. Well, look, I'm a, I'm a cancer surgeon myself. Half of women with stage 4 breast cancer in the United States today are getting actively harassed by medical debt collectors. That is a disgrace. That's how we treat our most vulnerable in our society in the, at the last year or two of life. We can do better. People are doing better. I highlight them in the book, The Price We Pay. They're on the website. And I'm I'm optimistic that we're seeing an incredible groundswell of young people, senior physicians, nurses, citizens, board members, CEOs, brokers who say, I I didn't go into the business to do it this way. We're seeing people say no to the status quo and stand up for what they believe is right. The Price We Pay, What Broke American Healthcare and How to Fix It by Marty McCary, MD. Marty, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Great to be with you, Dave. Remember that when there's a longer version of the interviews on Seattle's Morning News, you can usually find it right here in the original form, unconstrained by the limitations of a live broadcast. And you can subscribe so that when someone says, did you hear what was on Seattle's Morning News, you can say, not only that, I heard the part that wasn't on Seattle's Morning News. So my advice is to subscribe, and then when we talk to an author, a politician, an entrepreneur, an artist, a scientist, a teacher, a journalist, a celebrity, you'll hear every word. I'm Dave Ross. Thanks for tuning in.